Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four of Extraordinary Jews, the untold story of the from neurodiverse population. And I'm Debbie Ginsberg from Organize You for Life. Well, I'm very excited today. When I was a professional organizer and began focusing on educating neurodiver neurodivergent individuals, many people had asked me if I had heard of Leslie Giselle. As a curious person, I stopped and researched all about her, only to discover that Leslie is definitely a leading authority on educating not just the individuals with ADHD, but their families as well. However, I was so new in the field and green behind the ears that I didn't really feel ready to reach out to her. And uh, to obviously say that I am excited is just an understatement. So Leslie, I am really, like I said, excited to have you, and I'm going to now introduce you. Um, Leslie Joselle, an award-winning ADHD academic and parenting coach, founded Order Out of Chaos, whose mission is to help parents guide their students to success in learning and in life when her son was first diagnosed with ADHD. She is the creator of the award-winning Academic Planner, a tool for time management, a planner that helps students develop time management skills, and the award-winning author of three books, including the recently published How to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, An Expert Guide to Getting Stuff Done, which is from Learner Publishing. A respected resource on ADHD and executive functioning, Leslie writes the weekly Dear ADHD Family Coach column for Attitude Magazine, the premier magazine for adults and children with ADHD. She speaks to audiences all over the world, helping them utilize their resources to best navigate the task-driven world in which they live. In 2020, Leslie's line of student organizing products developed with Sam Silk Corporation was released, and this is all on her website, which we'll be talking about. For the last seven years, Leslie has been named by Global Gurus, I'm not surprised, as one of the top 20 time management experts in the world. So Leslie, as I welcome you to my show, um, I'd like actually for you to begin by telling us your story. How did you sure. get it? But before I do, because I have to say this, I, just so that for the record, I saw your post about what you were doing and I reached out to you That's because I am so impressed and think the work you are doing is so mission critical that I wanted to, I, I never assume anybody wants to hear me, but I wanted to offer up anything that I could do to be on the journey with you. So I want everyone to know that I reached out to you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Because you're okay. amazing. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Okay. So here's my story. I'd say here's my Reader's Digest story. So here's the crazy order out of chaos in my company, which is global and virtual meaning you do not need to live wherever I live to take part in what we do. But let's go back 19 years. My company will actually celebrate its 20th anniversary in September, which is really, really amazing to think about that we've been around for 20 years and have grown and changed. Because what I always want people to realize is back in 2003, even like websites weren't a big deal. The internet hadn't really like come to be. There weren't podcasts and digital information. There was nothing. So my son was diagnosed 
And there wasn't anybody really to go to. There wasn't anything to look up. I mean, I think I literally went to the library, if you can imagine. Remember those? Yeah. So very, very short story. I did things in my home at the time that would at that time would have been considered revolutionary, not or very out of the box thinking. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So I took the doors off his closets because I realized for him what he didn't see didn't exist. So what was the barrier to entry? Closet doors, dressers. I took the dresser out of his room and lined, but you know, very clear bins along, and he could read. He was a really, really bright kid. And I would just put words so he knew like pajamas went in this bin or jeans went in this bin. And I did other things. I coated things in my house blue because I for that were his, because he could pick up, he could pick up color much faster than words, which we do. The ADHD brain tends to do that. And I did a myriad of other things. True story. I had a friend who's still a very good friend who was a therapist who saw what I did in my own home and said, oh my good, I have a, I have a patient who has four children, all boys under the age of 10 that all have ADHD. Would you be willing to do what you did in your house? And I, I worked for a living. I had a, you know, a nine to five job, but I only worked four days a week. And I'm like, for you, Lauren, I'll do it. Spent eight hours with this family. Within two weeks, I received phone, four phone calls from, we'll call her Karen, from Karen's friends who said, you have to come do this in my house. And I literally turned to my husband who has ADHD and I'm allowed to tell you that. And I go, but, but, but I don't do this for a living. I'm very ordination. Like everything has to line up. And he kind of just looks at me and goes, well, you do now. And it was like that. And I went, but I don't even have a name. He's like, how's order out of chaos? I'm not kidding you. Like, yeah, so I believe it. Within a month, I quit my, within a month, I quit my job. Within four months, I had six people, like I was training six people and they were working for me because then I lived up in Westchester County, right above New York city. There was nobody doing what I was doing. No one knew, you know, this, no one knew what organizing was, right. let alone organizing for those that were neurodiverse or ADHD families. And we were, they, people were coming out of the woodworks looking for education and support and all that. Well, fast forward 19 years later, we have over 80,000 members in our community who come to us for products, for programs, for workshops, for webinars, and for coaching, all virtual. Wow. So, but still staying very true to that mission that you, about making sure that we are supporting parents and related professionals to help their students be successful, both in learning and in life. So I, I do say to people that if you're going to have, if you're going to be uh, neurodivergent in 2023, it's a fabulous year. Why? Because of the fact that we now have so much information and I can relate to what you're saying because with my boys, when I was raising them, one was, we were told he had ADD. He stood up and he was the funniest thing. And he says, please don't label me. I do not have ADD. I just feel the way I feel. I just like to walk around. I like to get out of class, whatever. And he does not show any signs of it now. My other son, I also learned and introduced techniques that I now use years later, where he had a situation where he basically said to me, I had said to him, please, um, would you be so kind as to uh, clean out your room? 
Right. I don't know if I, don't know if I spoke so nicely to him, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clean out your room. I know I wouldn't, so that's okay. <laughs> About a half an hour, I come back in and I see he's done nothing. He's sitting on his bed and I said, I don't get it. Why did you not clean out yeah. your room? He says to me, mom, I don't know how to. So I took his drawer, dumped it out, and step-by-step, which became what I do today, the step-by-step guidelines, which we now turn into checklists, not assuming that any child knows what to do. Oh, I love that. Because I always say to parents, like, we're very good at asking um, our kids, do you know what to do? So yes, I know I'm, do you know what I need you to do? Yes, clean my room. But that's not the question. The question is, do you understand what needs to be, to, how to do it? And and to add to the how to, how I to. Do you take understand what is being asked of you? Do you okay. understand the steps needed? Right. So I, I take it the one step further, which you do too, because I saw your academic calendar. It's not just the... Uh, you know, hi, this is how you do this. You take the garbage bag and you put in that. No, I say to them, when you're asking your kids to do anything, put it in writing, make a checklist, copy that checklist, do it again and again. So I don't want to talk about me. I want to go more into, <laughs> um, and I, I want to also really point out your website because your website does add so much, you know, to the community with your products and everything else. So it's order OO chaos because that stands for out of right ookaos.com. Exactly. Yes. And I'd like for you to talk about your famous academic uh, planner because I do think it's fantastic. So go thank ahead. you. Um and again, like you get this, like you you create things. We're so we're such problem solvers, like those of us who do what we do, we're problem solvers. So back, I was over 11 years ago and I was starting to transition my business. So I was doing less systems and structures for the entire family and I was narrowing in on students. And again, that was born out of being in a home with parents or caregivers or partners because everybody definitely looks very different these days than it did back then. And they would say to me, you've been so helpful in, in helping our family create like order out of chaos, literally. Can you work with my student? Like, can you work with my child? And I was like, you know, I can because to be honest, I'm doing it for my own my own child, and I was dabbling with other kids of friends of my own. So I started going. You know, this is really what I loved doing. I didn't really want to be. So I did start working one on one with students, and it wasn't. I want to make this clear. It wasn't like organizing their bedrooms. That wasn't what I was doing. I was working on time management, organization, study skills right? That, that type of thing. And it like, I, it, it, it got way more than I could handle. But what I realized what was missing, and I want to say this was that I, I wanted that piece, that academic coaching piece. So I did go back to get certified in, in what we call academic life coaching for teens and college students with ADHD. And it was a really great addition to the whole, you know, to the whole mix. But during doing that work, here's what happened. I wanted to teach kids desperately time. And I figured out that to really truly um, manage time and learn about time, you need to be able to see it. And what kids were being given in schools were just glorified to-do lists. They were just those planners that had like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on one side and Thursday, Friday. And I kept going like, how are they seeing their time? And it goes back to those questions I always say like, it's not about what you have to do. It's also about when do you have the time to do it? When are you planning to do it? And there's a reason why planners are called planners. They're supposed to be giving you a tool to be able to plan time. 
So there I was copy and pasting, cutting from one. I ordered like every planner on the market. I hated all of them. And this is what happened. I mean, this is like, it's sounds like crazy pants, but it's exactly well, what happened. So that works. 100%. I, made a, I made a few, gave them to my clients and parents said, do you have another one for my other kid? And so I made 20 more and then other people saw them and said, do you have more? So I made 50 more. And then I'm like, maybe I'm onto something. And I put out an email to just my friends, like not even on Facebook or anything. I remember this was, uh, this was 11 years ago and I sold a hundred in a night. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make 500. I'm going to put it on Facebook and 500 turned into a thousand, a thousand turned into 5,000. And obviously there's a lot of things that went on in the way. And now we sell them all over the world. I mean, it's just, you, have you converted that into different languages? Yes. Okay, because I have people who listen to me from all over the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, is, it Hebrew? is it in Hebrew? It is not in Hebrew. We have, ne you know, we, listen, I'm a, it might not seem it, but I'm very conservative in my business. So we tend in that sense to be a little reactive. So we kind of, if, if there's a, a lot of need for a language, we will, but I, but what we've never done is just say, hey, let's just make it in a language sure. and hope. There has to be a, there has to be a demand before we can. Okay. So to my listeners in Israel, and there are many of you, if you yeah. please contact us, we will get Absolutely. to and, and then yeah. produces for you because it really truly is a, a wonderful academic planner. I have looked at it. I would add to that before I ask Leslie to uh, chime in on a specific subject, but I would add to that. Remember, please, 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 when you have your kids studying, we do it in chunks of time and to use your, you know, the, the, the time timer is one of the ones that's so easy to get to because you can have that on your phone, you can have it on your smartphone, you can have it uh, as a separate yes. entity, the time timer. Um, yes. We no, always say time over task. I love that. That's how we always, when, when we teach, we're like, it's time over task because it's easy for kids to remember that alliteration, right? So yeah. Right, very, very good. Okay, so I want you to share um, this, the whole concept of the podcast is really to encourage parents to identify when their their kids have symptoms and to be able to feel comfortable knowing it's okay to say your kids have symptoms and it's really important oh, right now okay. with our industry there are so many professionals who are there who can help them and let's talk about that subject of what you've seen anecdotal stories what changes have you seen since you've started helping young people. Oh, I, I think it's night. And I mean, this is where it is fascinating to have been on the ground floor at the beginning. Like it's, it's, it's funny for me to be considered someone that was like in the field at the very beginning and see what is going on now. And, and I know, I, I know we, we all have a love hate relationship with, with the internet and all of that, but I will say that I think that um, any of us that are presented with any kind of like what's going on neurodiversity or challenges what i what i love right now is that you can truly find there's two things i want to say you can truly find the information you need that really speaks to you out there in on the internet so i have many many clients who say i go to you know i have a doctor obviously who did the diagnosis but the doctor's not in the trenches the doctor isn't giving me boots on the ground information right like they're not in there. So I've had to go and do like my own research, but, and I, I have, you know, there's people I connect to and there's just people I don't, and I've been able to follow them and join groups and be in communities. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is for your students, this is for your kids. I feel back then that there was definitely more, and maybe this is more in the mainstream world, there was definitely more hidden, like I'm diagnosed, but I don't want people to know about it. I'm diagnosed and I don't want to be taken out of class. I'm diagnosed and I don't want to wear my ADHD shirt. I I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but what I have seen, because remember, I am I am with students all day, every day, is that being able to see mirroring images of themselves, right, on TikTok, on Instagram, and other type, talking about their challenges, or even in TED Talks, talking about their challenges, talking about their diagnosis, putting names and faces and real emotions behind it, you just feel less alone. You just feel like, and I see that crossover to parents who come to me and say, like, I feel like there's now a name to it. I feel like that I can, I can see it. So I don't feel this is so stigmatized. And what I see, and a lot of us, particularly the pandemic, I feel changed the game. Oh, yeah. I, I have to say that. Mm-hmm. I feel the pandemic made it just okay for everyone to, maybe I'm not saying it the right way, but to announce what they're what they have. Say that again? The vulnerabilities. Exactly. That's the word. Yes. I've done it. I remember even for my, for my community, they, they've even said it to me, Leslie, like before you would give webinars and you'd be so buttoned up and perfectly this. And now I'm like, all right, the tech didn't work today. Whatever. I'll just chat with you all. Like there's a much more vulnerability. There's a much more casualness. There's a much more, I I'm connecting with you. But the one thing that has not changed over the course of 20 years is the need for information, the need for connectedness, the need for community. I am just still amazed that even after all these years, we are still, we are still looking for that like connection to others who are going along for the ride with us, particularly those parents. So I want to say one more thing, particularly those parents that are parenting very, very complex kids. So We need to say that like there is the ADHD and there might be executive functioning and there might be some learning disabilities. I mean, we're talking a wide gamut here, but if you are a parent who is parenting a very, very complex kid, there is still shame. There is still guilt. There is still hiding the fact that my son is or daughter is explosive and hits and has really extreme behaviors. And who do I go to and how do I deal with that? So I want to I want you to know I see you because we we handle a lot of that in our world. And I want to add to that one of the things that I was just with uh, some grandchildren out of state and very interesting how they right away said to me, oh, that boy, if he doesn't have his medicine, he really acts out. He's really problematic. Oh, that girl. Well, she's not going to be coming to our school anymore because of the fact that she's just really having a lot of problems with her learning. And so I appeal to educators and administrators what I'd like to see change. And this is my little standing on a soapbox. I would like to see teachers and administrators have uh, you know, have a program where they teach sensitivity to the fact of saying, everybody, we're all different. So there's going to be students in our class that might look like this, sound like this. And what we want to do is we want to embrace everybody. And we want to be able to say to each other, you know what, 
we like to help each other because as a group, if we help each other, we all succeed because we feel good about ourselves when we help the next person. So when you talk about community, I would like you to bring it down to the school level where we develop this attitude because today accepting diversity is the key. Is the key. So I want to talk, I want to give you two things and I actually want to share an organization with you. So for the past 13 years, I have been involved in partnering with an organization, a Jewish organization called Matan. Don't know if you know who they are. Can you spell that? Matan, M-A-T-A-N. Okay. And their mission among many, but their mission that where I'm involved, um, it's called, so it's Matan Kids. And I speak at there, they do these cohorts for Jewish educators, religious schools, day schools, and what have you. But their mission is to make sure that every Jewish kid, every Jewish child, no matter what they have, no matter what there is, gets the, the proper Jewish education. So I work with them. They do these cohorts where they bring in religious educators from all over the United States, religious educators and day school educators and principals and all of that. And that is the mantra that they, that is their thing. Like, let's make sure that everybody, every, you know, obviously they focus on Jewish children, but every Jewish child deserves a Jewish education, just like their counterpart who might be more mainstream. So that aspect is out there and they are doing amazing, amazing work exactly. because they're doing it from the, the top down, not the bottom up, which is what I think has to get done. The other concept you're talking about is something that has been coined universal learning. Yes. And this is definitely for our more mainstream, to be honest, that for more of our mainstream, or not even because we're seeing this a lot in private schools, whether they're just regular private schools or Jewish day schools or what have you. And it's that concept that we all know as, as universal design, where they originally made like the curb cuts, right? to accommodate those with physical impairments. But what they found is everybody benefited from it, pushing a car, dragging your luggage. Someone has a stroller, right? It's like the big, you know, closed caption on the television. I, I, I don't have it. I'm not, phys, I'm not, uh, what's it? Visibly, visible, visually impaired, but sometimes I need it because I don't understand what they're saying. Because of the auditory. Because sure. of the auditory piece, they're mumbling or they talk too fast. So, Universal learning is the same thing where instead of it being like this small subsection, what they're saying is what we are providing for our students with special needs or learning difficulties or who are neurodiverse really benefits everyone. And it's not just learning. It's to your point. It's the emotional piece. It's the social emotional of, you know, neurodiversity is not wrong. Neurodiversity just means you learn different and different isn't wrong. I love and that. And that's what we're seeing more and more and more in schools is this universal learning piece of we've been doing this for our for our special needs children. Why? But all of what we're doing for them truly benefits every student. And we're so we're in essence normalizing what we're teaching and saying it's not just for this subsection. This just now is for everyone. I'm hearing the this uh, concept more and more. Uh, I shouldn't say more and more. I hear it here and there of the yeshiva saying we're starting to teach social emotional. Yes, I, they are. 
I personally have been a humongous proponent of universal learning when I started, and I do not work with little children. I only work with 20 to 40-year-olds, um, and that was because of the fact that I was a little frustrated because I felt that what I was teaching these children would differentiate them from everyone else, and unless everyone did it. And just like you're saying, that when I had said to, the, to my students, I had said to them, look, take brown paper and put on each of your textbooks, write one, two, three, four, five for each one. So this way you don't have to sit there, you exactly. know, one, it's very, very quick. I also talk about other things. I won't go into it right now because I don't deal with it anymore. But what I would have said is all the children would have learned from that. All of the kids would have found that an easier approach. So exactly. any idea that you have, I have, if they would incorporate it, it would make life much easier. And in terms of focus, you know, as a child, I myself now know, looking back, once I entered this field, what was my problem? Why couldn't I not pay attention to my second grade teacher, who, by the way, taught grammar and I missed my grammar lessons? I was, having, not okay, I was having problems because she was walking back and forth. And yes, right. there is an another real reason why I wasn't paying so such great attention and that would reveal quite a bit about my childhood but the real thing is is had she stopped a little bit take a break and then review and then say to the kids oh, Debbie I see you're not really paying attention could we go over together or not mention me by name but say I see some kids didn't get right. the same and it would have made my life much easier had she stopped picked up and saw oh not everybody's with me Right. Or that was part of her teaching method. So right, exactly. believe it or not, what you are describing, it's so funny. I really wish you had been in on my talk yesterday. So one of the executive functions we call is, is effort, sustain is, is initiating and sustaining effort. And this is actually where I get a little serious, but this is where I always say the perception of lazy lives. It's where parents and teachers say, my students, I keep saying student, just that's our order out of chaos verbiage. Like we call everyone a student, not a child, because we work with kids. As long as you are a student, it doesn't matter if you're 27 or you're seven. So that's how we couch it. We don't say child because if I have a 25 year old who is a student, they're not a child anymore. So we classify everyone as students. But my point is that's where that perception of lazy is. And they're hearing my Family thinks I'm lazy. My teachers think I'm lazy. And yes, we are a little funny because we are supportive. And we say, you go back to whomever told you that. And you tell them you just have a hard time sustaining effort. But what we are teaching teachers and what we are seeing more is that to truly preserve, and this is probably would have worked for you, the, what preserves that student's brain. Because one of the teachers said to me, and this is a how does a student get through who has challenges, right? How do they get through an eight hour day? And I said, because number one, their brain cannot be on, and I want you to hear me say this, cannot be on high alert or high effort all day. They just can't. And the way that teachers are modulating their classrooms more and more actually goes to preserve. And this would have worked for you. And what it might look like is something as simple as the student walks in a classroom and there's an activity that they do at their desk to get their brains ready to receive information, the lecture. So it might be what we call a do now, right? You pick up that do now, you sit down at the desk. Now it doesn't mean you're not giving out effort, but what you're not doing, it's low effort. But what you're not doing at that time is having to listen, to have to process, to have to understand, not keep checking in to, to your point of 
have I stopped listening? Because so many of my kids say to me, I just stopped listening. Why have I stopped listening? But what you've done now is you've warmed up the brain. And now the teacher might say, okay, 20 minutes of lecture, I, you know, effort level up. And that student's executive functions are going in like, you know, they have to understand, they have to process, they have their working memory, they have to focus, they have to just, they have to filter out other distractions, whether they're internal or external. But you can't expect a kid to do that for 15 minutes. So we're going to do that for about 20. And then we're going to say, you know what, why don't you finish that up at your desk? Maybe you'll, with your partner, maybe with your group, or maybe alone. Now we've brought the brain back down to low effort. And by modulating that, it's exactly how you said, by modulating that, by having the teacher also stop and say, who can tell me what I just said? Who wants to repeat back to me? Doesn't have to be you because we don't want to be called on if we're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I said. But adding those point of performances into the mix going, who can tell me what I just said? Let me review what I just did. Let me preview what I'm about to do would help you lay down that learning. So I want to add to that because of my area. Yes. Uh, so that's is, what we're seeing more and more of. So, so with my area of the neuronal connections, because I'm I'm from brain-based kind of learn, teaching, that's what I do. So the catalyst of the brain is repetition and making you go outside of your comfort zone. So by hearing it in different ways, we do know that's a best way of learning. And 100%. I love the concept of partnership and groups. So when I did do things in groups, and I see this now when I was, I also, what I would do is I would be a substitute uh, in a school and I did it more for my education to see how children were doing. And when I saw kids learning in a group, I saw it was really, really smart because it was smaller it was they, the ones who were a little bit, who felt they were having some difficulties, the kids would bring them along because everyone had to contribute. Yeah. I think the important message here today is that we are not machines and we therefore must recognize that we have to take breaks. And when we take breaks, in addition to this, you know, what, what Leslie was saying, I want to encourage the hydration. I want to encourage the protein because we want to optimize the brain. And mind-body connection. Uh, mind-body connection is huge. And with what we're learning today from neuroscience and psychology and put it into place, once we get, and of course, everyone knows from the podcast, I'm very much into the emotional emotional regulation aspects of, you know, of all of this. And if we could put those obstacles to the side, the person can go forward. There are so many techniques. Leslie, I would love to have you come back. We have to end this now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have a ton of techniques. Yes. Right. Yes. So the techniques are really huge. And again, I can only share with families, please, please, please don't hide the symptoms. Don't be afraid of what you're going to find out because we as professionals can help you. And there are so many of us now, and we do focus on different age groups. Some of us, like Leslie goes across the board. I pick up at the 20 year old age to 40. Yes, I've added, uh, as I, everyone knows, I'm now doing the matchmaking, the, you know, Shaduchim. And also, you know, the study skills for college is a huge part of, you know, what's going on. We want our kids to feel comfortable to go to college. Last point, and I, I, this is a conversation in itself. I would love to appeal to colleges to get rid of written exams for our students who really need to do things orally. They have a problem with the written, but we can't really get into it today. I thank you so much. I want everyone to please, please. My pleasure. 
please go to Leslie's website, you know, order ookaos.com because not only will you see these fantastic products, you will learn so much. You'll be able to connect with her and become part of her amazing community. <laughs> so I want to thank you all. Thank you so much. I hope to be back soon. I love what you're doing and I hope you'll have me back. Thank you very, very much. Okay, it's been great. All right, goodbye, everyone, and we'll see Bye, you. Bye, everyone. Yes. Thank you.